0: talk about comics. Comics, guys. I had to explain this to my coworker today and it was very embarrassing. She's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm doing another old lady activity where I go to my book club and then she asks like <laughs> more questions like, ah, it's a podcast. I don't know.
1: Um, <laughs> I learned that my coworker actually records her own podcast. Ooh, what She's a writer's group podcast mm. and I forget the name. I should look it up properly and Me. give her a shout out. Yeah, and I don't think they recorded here, but uh, there's another local writers group making another podcast. Nice, sweet, small world.
2: I I get a lot more updates on the Facebook page these days. We're getting a lot more likes and reposts, and they're not just me. (laughs) (laughs) All my mom.
3: Welcome to the Trade Waiters. On today's Trade Waiters, we will be reading Shadow Eyes by Sophie Campbell. This, this was my pick, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, um, we have a character-revealing question, since you may not know who we are. If you don't know who we are, we have lots of episodes you can listen to. Some of them are good. Most of them are good, Most
1: of them are good. Yeah. Well, I don't
0: know. That's <laughs> very generous. <laughs> Which things
1: uh, with positivity. We're That's so great.
3: humble. <laughs> we have excellent episodes. We do the best trade-writers podcast. Um, it's true. <laughs> okay, That's fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so our character-revealing question for today will be, if you had superpowers, what would you do? So let's imagine that you can't pick your superpowers, because superheroes rarely can, um, but they are powerful enough that you could be a superhero if you wanted to, but you don't have to, would you do anything differently in your life? And if so, what would you do? Anyone?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. I know my answer. Um, I'm Kate Gross, and I would do nothing. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. No, I would do nothing. I would just hopefully have some kind of superpower that would help me with like menial tasks, um, and just make my own <laughs> life easier, because not really sure there's
1: much I could do.
3: With great power comes no extra responsibility.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> nice. I would agree with that. I feel like I get worn out a lot with my life, and it would be really rewarding if I was just less exhausted and could do what I'm doing faster, and I could help more people in the capacity that I'm already working. So I would just do what I do better. Okay, mm-hmm. are you... I don't
2: know, man. I'm Jam. Okay. Alright. Okay, so I'm Jeff Ellis, and I mean, I think that's a tough one to answer when the superpower is not specified. That's true. Because, I mean, you know, if I had super speed, yeah, I probably would just get a lot of comics done. If I was, like, (laughs) the Flash, and, like, everyone was moving in slow motion while I just moved at regular speed, like... Yeah, I just draw a lot of comics. But if I was super strong and like impervious to bullets, like you know, maybe I'd overthrow a few governments. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. Um, well, despite despite coming up with this question, I don't know that I have a really good answer to my own question. Uh, I'm Jonathan, by the way. And again, it, it does depend on the the powers. But I think more than depending on what the power is, I think the bigger question is, do I still have to have a job? Because most of my time is already used up with my two jobs, and I don't have a lot of extra time, so even with superpowers, what am I going to do? <laughs> if my superpowers or something else that's changed in my life has the ability to make sure that I don't have to do two whole jobs, maybe then I could have some time. I would like to be able to like, help people in some capacity... Crime fighting has no interest for me whatsoever, but <laughs> there's lots of other ways to be helpful in society. But I don't... Uh, it would depend on whether I would still have to work all the time. So,
1: mm. yeah. <laughs> Interesting perspective. Perhaps the real superpower is time.
3: Ooh. <laughs>
1: Or being independently
2: wealthy. Tony Stark's got it all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's easy to be a superhero when you're Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne.
3: Yeah. <laughs> jerks. <laughs> it's also easy to not be a superhero because they're jerks. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this book. First, I have to apologize for how difficult it is to figure out which book it is we're talking about because there are two different editions of this book as well as a webcomic, and none of them quite match up. So the version that we're reading is the one published by Iron Circus, which is the equivalent of two volumes if you have the ones published by Slave Labor, Labor Graphics.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, which
0: and <laughs> I read. <laughs> yeah,
3: so those also work. And there's a webcomic, but the webcomic, I just checked it out today, and it is not yet at the end Of the first volume, so it will get you like two-thirds of the way through.
1: Okay, and uh, I got it off Comixology, so that is the Iron Circus edition. It is available through Comixology. Okay, good. Uh, And it is also available directly from the Iron Circus shop.
2: Mm. Oh, man, I don't know what happened. I tried to find it on Comixology. I didn't find it, so I bought the PDF off their shop. And the whole time I was thinking, man, I missed the comiXology format, because this scrolling up in a PDF is for the birds.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. Lots of options. of widely available book, and don't worry, just find one and keep reading. Yeah. I think
2: think we've successfully, between the four of us, got a different version (laughs) of this book.
1: We did it, fam. (laughs) You'll be able to very thoroughly review all the ways that you can experience this, and I've read the webcomic as well, so... Winner, Uh,
3: winner. So also a little bit about Sophie Campbell. Uh, Sophie Campbell has done an awful lot of comics, way more than I was aware that she'd done. I haven't read any any of her other books, but the ones that I had heard of ahead of time, uh, she has one called Wet Moon, which started in 2004 and has several volumes out and is supposed to be continuing at some point as well. Uh haven't read it, but apparently it's about a bunch of goth kids.
0: Oh, it's, it's awesome. So good. That's oh. what I read over Christmas because I was alone. <laughs> um <laughs> 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 so I mean, it's a Very appropriate comic to read about <laughs> at Christmas. We had to work Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, and my family lives out of town, so I was cat sitting. And the person I was cat sitting for had all the volumes of Wet Moon,
1: and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to read this. I'm just gonna sit down and read it, and it was <laughs> so good. Okay. Yeah. So Huge Wet, fan. Wet Moon, very strongly recommend. Maybe when it wraps, it would be a great contender for a longer series hmm. of what we're doing because there's a lot to cover. In I that. got to the end, and I was like, what do you mean? There's no
3: yeah. us <laughs> <laughs> um, see, other things that she's done. Uh, she also was famously the artist for Gem and the Holograms during their re- recent reboot of that comic.
1: And that was very well received. I haven't yeah. read it.
3: Me neither. But I know
1: it was well received.
3: Yeah. And someone else wrote that. Uh, it was written by Kelly Thompson. And I guess it's being drawn by someone else now. Hmm. But that happens.
1: That's the nature of comics, yeah. or mainstream comics, I should say. Uh,
3: and then there's a whole list online of other books that she's done. So there, and there seems to be a trend here of publishers that don't end well. So, for example, uh, she did a book with Tokyopop called "The Abandoned," which No, me, neither, but this was before Tokyopop like famously collapsed.:
1: Yeah, and I mean the, a lot of the series that I really liked just ended up in the dust when that yeah, happened, right? Yeah. So.
3: And, then, and a lot of those are never going to come back because Tokyopop still has the rights to them. Just mm. sitting on them. And uh, so there were supposed to be more volumes of that, and then she never got to do them. And then there was a series called Water Baby, which was published by DC's Minx Line. I've
2: heard of oh, that.
0: Oh, I've read that, actually. Okay, yeah, isn't mm. that just one book? I think so. Could be, okay. Yeah, it's just one book. It's not a series. Right. Yeah, I've read it, yeah.
2: All, all, all the Minx Line was one book, because, <laughs> because they, they ended. Started, well, it started and ended. In...
0: I think all the Minx ones I read were just like... You, um, contained stories. Yeah, yeah. like Zombies um, Calling was in that uh, uh, group as well. Zombies Calling was also slave labor.
1: Oh yeah, that's um, right.
0: Oh gosh, I'm all mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I read a lot of Minks back in the mm. day. It was
1: mm-hmm. a good. It was a good imprint. Okay. It ha-
3: yeah, mm-hmm. it had some really
1: good books in there.
0: Um,
3: yeah. and then DC just abandoned it for spurious reasons. Sci- Only thing I care about of DC. It didn't. It didn't
2: make a million dollars like immediately. <laughs> There was some implication that they may have to play some sort of a long game Mm -hmm. over several years to develop this fan base they were after, and when when it became clear it was going to be a lot of long work,
3: they just gave up, and were like, ah, we'll just publish more Superman. Yeah, and also, (laughs) apparently, they were trying to sell all their books through the direct market to, like, comic book stores, and... You can't sell Minx books through comic no, book you, you need should, them in bookstores and and through Scholastic. Yeah, well, <laughs> Scholastic's a publisher. So you no, can't I know, but no,
1: but if they were able to get, oh, so do the flyers only contain Scholastic? That's books? right. Yeah. Wow, they have really
2: cornered that. Oh yes, oh, they have. I forgot. I that. did not actually think that. I actually considered that Scholastic They are not a distributor. Okay. They, well, they are a distributor, but they are Self- a publisher, <laughs>
1: Wow. But yeah, Minx. Could have found a home. Yeah. R.I.P. Mix.
3: Yeah. Uh, and then there were a couple other titles. There was one called Glory, which is, I guess, a...
1: Oh, I've heard yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, that's the writer is Joe Keating. Yeah. And um, then Sophie did the art. And yeah, I read the first volume of that. Um,
1: oh, I started right. away
0: since it was superhero. What did you think? Oh, God. It's probably been like four or five years since I read it. Um, um, so I don't have a, like... Solid opinion on it. It was kind of superhero, which is not really my jam. Mm.
1: But but Sophie brought her art to it, so it's like it's yeah. superhero that it's worth checking out.
0: Probably.
3: Yeah, I, I saw images for that, and I was very conflicted because like they're um, Rob Liefeld characters, but then it's drawn by <laughs> Sophie Campbell. I don't know. That's a lot of cognitive dissonance like,
1: I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. you <right?
3: laughs> feel like there's a uh, And then there's one called Mountain Girl, which I also don't know anything about.
1: That one I haven't heard of.
3: There was a There's a there lot of a other lot. ones.
1: She did a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle yes. story as well, didn't yes.
3: she? Yes. She was the artist on a bunch of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. Okay.
1: Yeah. Very prolific. Mm-hmm. Very and prolific. And, you know, it shows. Yeah. Her work is really... It's also very distinct. Like it's oh, really, yeah. It's really amazing. It's really distinct. It has a... Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it at length. Yeah. You you know it's Sophie Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's like, it, when you see it, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Sophie Campbell.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Uh, well, I picked this book, and I like it a lot. But I want to know what you guys think before I tell you why I like it so much.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I was really excited when you recommended this because, yeah, I read Let Moon Over Christmas and really enjoyed it. And this was a good excuse to get to read this. And I also really enjoyed this. I said earlier that superheroes are not my jam but this would be one of the few sort of like superhero-y stories that actually is my jam because it gets way more nuanced and I felt like it explored some really interesting themes and I like when sort of stories of justice are justice in heavy air quotes are like thoroughly complicated and the characters just aren't doing the right thing and maybe there isn't a right thing to do even if they're trying to and they're just totally missing the mark. Anyways, I really liked it. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, I think I'm gonna be the dissenting voice today. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I it took me a long time to read this book. Like I could only do it in little spurts. I think I liked the I liked the diversity of the cast a lot because it had a lot of characters you wouldn't see in a typical superhero story. And I think that was maybe like the big like positives. But I just felt like it got really repetitive. Like it was pretty much like you always had two characters talking about, like, oh, this is really confusing being a superhero. Like, is it right that I just punched this person? And, like, that is, like, a good exploration, but I just, it hit a point where I'm like, okay, I think we're having the same conversation over and over again, and I don't feel like it's, it ha- I didn't it didn't have momentum for me. I just sort of felt like it, it got really s- sort of dragged, and I wanted to see more change in development, uh, it does change, but like I just felt like it was moving really slow. I would have probably cut about 100 pages out of this <laughs> as an editor. <laughs> I,
1: can, I can understand that sentiment. Uh, I will say that it is a very engaging story that doesn't really go anywhere. I really enjoyed it, and this is kind of a hallmark of works written by Sophie Campbell as well. Like I think Wet Moon is kind of similar. So if you liked Wet Moon, you'll probably really like Shadow Eyes, and I would say that it's a superhero comic. Okay, so if... If you like superhero comics, you should be warned that it's barely a superhero comic. And if you don't like superhero comics, don't worry. It's barely a superhero <laughs> comic. And that's kind of the perspective that I, I bring to Shadow Eyes. Like, I, I, I need very little excuse to look at anything that Sophie Campbell is drawing. And it has enough to keep me going on, <laughs> let's say. Uh, and I think there's some interesting stuff worth exploring and worth discussing. Mm -hmm. So I I enjoyed reading it. I had no bumps.
3: Okay. Like, I think the reason I picked this book is because I've always had this sort of, like, off-and-on relationship with superheroes, and the things I dislike the most in superheroes are anything with a Marvel or DC stamp on it, where it's, like, (laughs) part of a huge, expanded universe that's been going on for 50 years, and you have to know all these dumb stories or terrible stories that were written a long time ago to make sense of this one supposedly good story, but the bad stories kind of drag the whole thing down. This I like because it's self-contained. It's not part of a bigger universe. The the characters can just be themselves. It's one writer writing these characters. They don't have to compromise with like five other previous writers. I like that it's barely a superhero comic. I that's that's the level of superhero story that I've always kind of liked. Like uh, my favorite superhero stories back when I was reading superheroes when I was a teenager were things like Generation X or. Uh, Excalibur, which are kind of their part of the X-Men universe, but these are the stories where they really don't spend a lot of time fighting bad guys. They're just like hanging out and being moody, and they have superpowers so they feel crummy. Like, that's what I want. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that all the time. Uh, so that And that's what this is. This, that's exactly what this is. I also really like the, the sort of the contrast between like incredibly cute and incredibly like grim, dark Like mixed together, right on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like that's a really interesting mix.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it is really interesting. And uh, when I think about Sophie Campbell's work, like the grit that comes with it is like there's grit like baked into every single square millimeter of every single panel of every single page. It's just so dense in grit, and yet you're never confused. Mm. It's very clearly rendered, and it's always easy to tell. Characters are very distinct. Their outfits are really distinct. Their uh, environments are really distinct, and so despite the fact that you have this this ultra density in the detail of what you're looking at, you're never lost.
2: Mm-hmm. Actually, I would say another like big positive for this is the art. Like Sophie Campbell's a really talented artist, and yeah, the character designs are really interesting and yeah, unique. I, I again like it a lot of nice visuals going on uh, I think a lot of my issues just came with some of the writing
1: and uh, to to sophie's credit like the writing I think is more the challenges come in the plot so it's more bigger picture stuff that or, or not even just bigger picture stuff it's more like who is here why and what is what are what are their objectives and where are they going that kind of like through line is what's missing, because I find her characters really distinct in how they're written, despite, uh, or even though they are all very distinctly drawn, they're all very distinctly illustrated, you're never confused, but they all have a distinct voice as well. They have distinct motivations that are very clear to understand. The dialogue is really well written. I find it's really relatable it's it feels really human it feels very real especially something that Sophie does really well in her writing I find is the way friendships work Hmm. and these kind of emotional conversations that you have between friends who are testing each other's boundaries let's put it that way like if you're friends with someone but you need to like clarify something and have it out she does those kind of conversations like brilliantly and it's maybe 80% of this book. <laughs> so it's good yeah. that she does it so well, and that's why I describe it as a really engaging story that doesn't really go anywhere.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a fair assessment. Like, there's not a lot of plot. Um, like, even the, there's no character, like, there's no origin story for Shadow Eyes. We don't know how Which she got I, I her powers. I kind of appreciate. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that, personally, because mm-hmm. I've seen a million mm-hmm. origin stories. So it mean, would just be some, like hand wavy thing like there now they have the ability to do all these things that I want my spider character to do like and here's a um, half-baked explanation for that like I could do without the half-baked explanation it still works
0: yeah I like that there's not really an, any exposition about the world that they live in either it's just like kind of post-apocalyptic or like you know right like mm-hmm. society is on the downwards in many ways, and I just don't really explain it. You just sort of accept that there's this thing that's like fake water that yeah. they bathe in, and there's no explanation for that, and I really like that. And you kind of like,
2: the, yeah. just yeah. sort
0: of absorb what's going on, instead of like, oh, here I am, I live in the city of Dronach, these are all the things that are bad about my society spelled yeah. out like yeah. right <laughs> here
1: for you. And it yeah. doesn't even feel that distant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's like, you can just tell that things are kind of screwed up And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're supposed to, I think, or at least I very readily relate to the way that things are screwed up where I live. And it's a very clear and easy to understand analog uh, just rendered with, you know, it's like
2: our world, but with way more grit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, like it could easily be just, you know, 100 years in the future Mm -hmm. or even 50 years in the future. Uh, No, the world is great. I mean, the world itself is compelling. But I would say like that, I think that's interesting that for you guys, that wasn't an issue. Because like for me, I... That was, uh, I thought that was really strange that you have a, you start the story with your two kind of characters who want to go out and make a difference and be, they want to be superheroes. Which I do kind of enjoy that sort of uh, idea of someone who's read superhero comics who wants to then become a superhero. So they put on masks, they go out to fight crime and like immediately get hospitalized. <laughs> um, because going out and confronting criminals is going to end up with you getting, like, a brick thrown at your head, right? And so, like, on that level, I thought, okay, I like this, but just when Scout just turns into, like, an alien creature with no explanation, like, that was, that kind of took me out of the story, to be honest, where I was like, well, why? Like, and I don't think it would be that hard to, and I know it it would be hand-wavy, but, I mean, especially because we are slightly in the future, I don't think it would be that hard to, I don't know, there was, like, a vial of... Ooze, or just like (laughs) there's something in the water, or there was like a mad scientist next door. Like, I think there's a way you could make this have you could explain this, or or like have this become part of the mythology of the world. And I just think, uh, to just sort of deus ex machina the superpowers in that feels lazy to me.
0: I don't even think I don't, I disagree. I don't think it's deus ex machina. It's a thing's happening and it's just not being explained right now. Maybe it's going to be explained in the future because um, this is okay. also not a complete Fair story. Enough. Fair
2: but like if it, if it pays off in that regard, then I think I would feel different. I don't know. I
0: don't. I guess I don't feel like I need to be
1: like, I guess, spoon-fed that exposition mm. in a way, but I mean, or, I sorry, yeah, agree I guess, with you. I would say that if we were given that exp- explanation, it wouldn't make I, you or satisfied just, in the I, way that you're looking for. I
2: mean, I. sorry, I don't, I don't I don't want it to seem like, yeah, I don't necessarily need to be spoon-fed, but I just think Paying some kind of, like, acknowledging that this is, like, strange in a, in a way without just sort of, like, I don't know. It just seems, like, no one else turns into an alien. It doesn't seem to be, like, this isn't a normal thing. So, like, why why is Scout turning into this creature? Like, what... I think
1: think it's a thematic exploration. hmm. So one of the things that I forgot to mention in my list of the ways that I think Sophie is a very strong writer is that there is a very consistent theme through this work. And what I really, really love about the beginning of this story is the fact that Scout was dissatisfied with her society and she wanted to make a difference and she wanted to become a vigilante. Hmm. And she was very held back and disappointed with the fact that she was not physically strong. And so her transformation into Shadow Eyes was actually a form of wish fulfillment. Mm. And so if you can think of it that way, this whole story is an explanation of if you were given everything you ever wanted, mm. how would that affect your life? Mm, right. uh, and the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, are you guys familiar with the concept of a slow burn romance?
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe. Probably we <laughs> do. Just explain it. <laughs> I will
1: explain it, yeah. So it's a trope or a, uh, let's say, a genre of, of more romantic stories where the point of the story is that it takes a really long time for the two to get together. (laughs) Mm. And there's some people who really, really, really dig that kind of story. And this to me seems like slow burn conflict
2: Mm. where it
1: just takes a really, really long time for things to come to a head among these people. And there's like simmering conflict among Mm. all of these different people that never really explodes in a way. Mm -hmm. That's not like explosive drama. Yeah, That's interesting. I
2: I think that maybe... maybe I think you hit it on the head, though, because I think what it is is when I got to the end of this book, it just stopped. (laughs) And there were a lot of pieces that were put into place. There was a lot of setup for things, but nothing paid off. And so, again, maybe if there's a volume two and all those things pay off, then I would be kind of looking back at volume one and going, oh, okay, so this arc was really satisfying but because it just sort of like stopped i just i i don't know how to feel about a lot of this stuff because was just a bunch of stuff that happened and like,
1: well it, it also depends on how you view payoff hmm. for example there is a lot of emotional payoff in this hmm. work so for example scout has a conflict with her mother because she has transformed into shadow eyes and she doesn't know how to tell her mom hmm, uh hmm. and she spends a while like Going back to her mom so, as Shadowwise. That, that I
2: think, was one of my favorite parts of the story.
1: So that's uh, Because it had a chaos. good a
2: more emotional core to it. Um,
1: and, and I would, sorry, if I could just finish oh, this yeah, thought, sure, sure. another yeah. example is Scout and, uh, or yeah, Scout and Sparkle coming together. That's kind of a slow-burn forming of a friendship, and mm. Scout and Kaisha breaking up is another slow-burn mm-hmm. kind of conflict that mm-hmm. I was really excited to see this payoff of, like, wow, they're treating each other kind of shady. Mm-hmm. Both of them are at fault. Both of them are doing things
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of shady. And it's like, I'm excited to see this really hit the fan, I guess. Yeah. Not in a way, like, I, I wish they <laughs>
2: wouldn't fight, but... No, and I mean, sorry, those are actually, those are all good. That's, those are some good examples of some of the things that I that stood out to me. I did enjoy those, following those emotional arcs. But I just felt like getting to that, there was still a lot of, I had to clear a lot of chaff to get there. Like, I mean, there's like two pages of Sparkle playing her pony card game. (laughs) And now I will say, speaking of someone who's a huge game nerd and plays games, that was really authentic dialogue. (laughs) Like if, if you had a camera on the wall watching two people play a magic card game, that's what people would be saying. I don't as a reader, I don't know do I need to actually read through like two pages of people playing a card game. Because it was literally just playing a card game. There wasn't like any other information. It's like these are the some of the fake rules of this game and how I put these bonuses on to defeat your pony character and we're not, like and now on to another scene like there's nothing yeah. well, why why am i reading this it was <laughs> i think it was
1: just so funny yeah yeah i mean it was a nerdy self-indulgence right yeah. okay. and that's it's for color okay I, I, But the yeah. way that i read it was that uh it was really interesting to me because you you described this world as very grim dark and yet there's all of these kind of beacons of positivity like sparkle in her hobbies you also see noah building a a yeah, like, yeah. And,
3: what? Uh, when, when did oh, that mess up? Yeah,
1: early
0: oh. on, like, um. I've read his, this twice. How did I miss yeah. that? His yeah, His mom is being roughed up in the other room, like, uh-huh. by Kyle, and he's just, like, focusing on this
1: um, little figurine that he's putting together.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember that.
1: And, uh, Kaisha has her kickboxing, which comes up every once in a while and is never really brought up. Hmm. It's kind of just a character detail where it's, like, she can handle herself in the fight, and it's because she takes, you know, kickboxing. Uh, training or whatever it is, and uh, Scout being a superhero is kind of her hobby, <laughs> so these kind of moments of nerdiness are okay. nice. Okay,
3: okay. I just assumed he was like making miniatures or something. I don't know, or well, that might be something that but isn't that what you know he's making? He's gluing together yes. his
2: mech, sure, oh. yeah, yeah, okay,
3: yeah.
1: but just as a nerdy kind of hobby, okay, a yeah, yeah, this yeah. big tough guy. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like, I will say though that the the, the, um, the scout and Keisha thing, uh, like that, really did come to a head right at the end, mm-hmm. where like they they've had a fight, they're not friends anymore. At least as far as Keisha is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I love
1: mean so yeah. uh, how Kaisha like sobbed red, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh,
3: <laughs> I feel. Like and then, like, like, don't take my cat. Uh, like spoiler alert, they. Like, she tells her dad who's a cop, and he tells his superiors, and then last scene we see of Scout is, like, the cops shooting missiles at her secret base.
1: Talk about, like, and it's like, (laughs) you you can think of this as, like, oh my god, it's finally plot, but for me, it's almost, like, this is metaphorically the ultimate betrayal by your best friend.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? It's,
1: like, it's the ultimate metaphor, and it's uh, a friendship dialed up to nine.
3: I think Uh, it works on both levels. I think that's a... Pretty interesting that it works so well on both of those, those levels. Yeah, mm. and
1: it's like... Uh, sorry. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I don't want to discount what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. the, this is not a traditional narrative. Mm-hmm. It is not a traditional kind of plot. Yeah. And if it's if you're looking to find value in a very traditional way, like, it's, it's not going to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. You have to look... Hmm. I, I'm not really sure how to describe this. But no, I, it's... it's
2: I, I think that... There, like, there are other
1: ways that it yeah. provides value.
2: No, I think... Like, I, I appreciate that this is set up to be, like, a slow burn. I guess I just think that... I don't know. Like, I I, I, I... I could see some of the emotional character interactions, but I just... There was points in this book where I just was getting bored. I was just, like... Like, they literally... I think it was, like, Scout and, um... The... Guy with a crowbar, uh, Noah. Noah. It's a guy with Noah. Like, have a conversation about the moral ambiguity of what they're doing, and it cuts to a scene where they're having yet another conversation about the moral ambiguity of what they're doing. Like, I get it, and so it's just like, why do we need? To, I, I, I just felt like it was getting repetitive, and I just, again, like, there's things that, again, maybe there's payoff, but there's like, there's a scene about the girl that Sparkle used to play pony cards with, like, who has to leave, and she's really sad, and you're like, okay, I guess that's... she'll show up later, or this is going somewhere. No, that that was just a bunch of pages you had to read to get to the next Kaisha Scout interaction. Like, I just felt like there was a lot of stuff in there that just didn't need to be there. Um, That's why I said, like, I think there's, like, maybe 250 pages of good story in here, but it's 380 pages and I just like maybe just tighten it up. Just trim the fat. And I think there's like I would there's a story I would enjoy hidden in here. It's just like it's got a lot of padding. And I'd like to take some of the padding away.
1: I think that's really fair. I agree <laughs> with that. There were a lot of moments where I was checking up to the top of my PDF, I'm like, oh why isn't this done yet? And I was <laughs> actually surprised to see uh, John's physical edition here it's and how big really it is. For, it's, to be fair. It's bigger than it needs to be. I will agree with that.
2: So related to the Grimdark which I did enjoy that you said Grimdark, because I, <laughs> this definitely reminded me of 90s comic books. Oh, for sure. Like, I actually felt like, sort of like... Because I grew up on 90s comics, which were sort of looking at the, you know, 80s, 70s comics and going, what if it was, like, more messed up than than that? And I feel like this was almost looking at 90s comics and be like, well, what if we, like, twist that <laughs> a little further? Um, and so I, I kind of appreciated that, but, I, again, like... With some of the, the the grim dark stuff, I almost felt like it didn't pursue the emotional uh, as far as it would make sense. Like I like I said, I really enjoyed the fact that there's a period where Scout Scout has turned into this alien can't turn back, so Scout is permanently Shadow Eyes. Leaves a note to her mom and disappears, and then there's this cute thing where Shadow Eyes keeps checking in with. Her mom and is like, ah, no, no luck finding Scout. And her mom's like, okay, Shadow Eyes, you let me know if you find my daughter. And I'm like, her mom totally knows. And she's humoring her. She's like, oh, well, why don't you just put these slippers on? Why don't you just use Scout's old bed? Like, I mean, she totally knows, right? Uh-huh. And that I loved. But it's like, so now she know. Eventually they, they have it out and they realize, like, okay, yeah, you're my daughter. I accept you being this alien, which is great. But then it's like, Shadow Eyes kills a bunch of people. And that's in the news. And then, like, the next time she sees her mom, her mom's like, Oh, well, just let me know. We can just have a chat sometime, sweetie, about... It sounds like it's really complicated what you're going through. Like, that doesn't seem real to me. Like, I understand her mom's cool and accepting, but I don't know that it's normal for her mom to just be like, Oh, my daughter just murdered a few random people. It's cool. Like... I'll just let her find herself. Like, I think that there needs to be more, that needs to be more shocking. There needs to be more impact to the fact that we've got characters killing people. I, you know, like, I I think that to not deal with the shockiness of these murders, that becomes like a 90s comic where you just kind of kill people and it doesn't matter because, yeah,
3: like, it's the 90s and we're being dark and we're killing people. I think I'm hoping that that is something that will pay off mm-hmm. in the second volume because I think it is being built up correct right. like if you look at the the whole story that is a it's a recurring theme this question of like when is it okay to kill people if you're a vigilante mm-hmm. is it okay and it's and certainly and, ramping up yeah 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 so i'm I'm hoping that's actually headed somewhere because yeah. I think that would be really interesting that's certainly something I would want to read
2: yeah I mean, again, like I don't know, maybe, maybe, really, what this is—the problem here—is I feel like I'm reading half of a story. That's I and mean, that's fair because I mean, it, I mean, like again, there's these cool, like at the end, they're, my legs are getting bigger, my uh-huh. legs are getting bigger. I've got this spot on my shoulder, and I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh no, we're done. The story's over. Like I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm just. I'm mad because it didn't
3: end. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the second time I read through this, that didn't bother me because I knew how it was ending. But the first time, when I got to the end, I was like, what, that's it? Come on, give me more, I need more. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a fair criticism that we, we want more story. But maybe maybe, maybe you should have
2: recommended it when it was
3: finished. I don't know how long
0: it's going to take. Oh, don't even know. <laughs> dial back that attitude. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jesus. Go, go put that on Twitter. It's a Twitter for yeah. complaining about demanding things. <laughs> we, have
1: to, we have to acknowledge that this is a indie book. This is a yeah, passion yeah. project Fair for enough. Sophie, who... Mm-hmm. Uh, does other works to make ends meet. I'm yeah, sure absolutely. this doesn't pay
3: as well as Gem and Holograms. Yeah, I mean, actually,
2: the fact that this entire work has basically one credit with, like, a, s- a credit to the color assistant, because mm-hmm. it was colors by Sophie Campbell and... Aaron um, Watson. Aaron Watson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty impressive that she's kind of wearing almost all
3: the hats. It's an awful lot of comics. That's yeah, like and almost they, an inch worth of comics. And away. they are like, like stunning quality.
0: When you consider like all the other stuff she does, like Wet Moon is like six chunky volumes. Like it's nuts how much work she has out there. And that's why all, I'm surprised like, to yeah, see, see her, her entire bibliography.
3: There's so much. Um. Yeah. Which so, is also
0: really
1: exciting because it's like imagine what she's gonna
0: make in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is, and if it's more shadow eyes, I will be thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm, She's working on the conclusion of Wet Moon, I think, right now. Do we know? I don't, don't know. Um, we don't know. I heard, I heard a rumor or a tweet, but I don't remember how long ago it was. Because I think it got like re-released with
0: new covers. Okay, like Annie Mock did some covers for
3: it. I saw an interview uh, where she was talking about a new project with Image, but I don't know ooh. what that is mm. Mm. or how old that interview was. So,
1: so all around excitement. Or more of Sophie Campbell's work I think uh, but no it's totally fair that this ends oh I did want to mention with the, the legs getting bigger and bigger half the time I wasn't sure if that wasn't just a kind of self uh, self deprecating joke about how like when you draw a character and some parts are exaggerated like they become more and more exaggerated over time I thought time. Of that yeah <laughs> I was like, I have a damn legs, I can't even fit through this vent anymore.
2: Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's kind of a clever like she, maybe it just started with the way she drew and then she decided to
3: incorporate it into the writing. Yes. Um, okay, deep cut. This is like really, really deep, really old comic I read like way back one of the first comics I ever read was this one called Sleepwalker, which was a dumb comic that has never been heard from since because it got cancelled and no one cares. But it was this like alien creature that was stuck in this character's head and when he fell asleep Sleepwalker would walk the earth and go fight crime, and from like the first issue to like the twelfth issue, he started out as like this really sort of skinny skeleton-like uh, alien-looking creature, and then by like the twelfth issue, he was like big muscles. <laughs> and I don't think that was on purpose, but it, they worked it into the story and came up with an explanation for why he suddenly <laughs> oh, became a plot point. I can <laughs> appreciate. Um, do you want to talk any more about the art?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, I read it in black and white. The rest of y'all read it in color. Colors are um, very good. Peeking at the color, beautiful. The gray tones are good too. Like, yeah. I, I was um, uh
1: I was reading it in color and remembering the black and white edition and saying to myself like, you know, I don't think I was missing anything hmm. when this book wasn't in color. And I mean, like, I'm never going to look a color horse in the oh, no. <laughs> Like, the color is, is pretty and it's nice to look at, but uh, the work is very strong in black and white. Yeah, yeah. The, the inks, mm. let's say the inks carry this artwork. Mm. Yeah, Um, like when I was reading the black and white because it has a uh,
0: grayscale in it too, I, I did note that I, I do really like how she uses large areas of black in mm. her work. Like, there's lots of black. I also like that the pages, instead of having panels on a white background, it's panels on a black background. Oh, that's true. Um, like, it's really subtle, but I think it totally just serves the tone of the book, uh, which it's just like a really small thing, but it, it's Very nice. I like it. It's a good choice.
3: Makes the book an interesting art object, too, because you get that little bit of sort of an optic effect. And the book is all together, and you look at the edges of the pages where it has... You can tell they're all, like, black ink right to the edges.
1: Yeah, I will say, like, I haven't seen this edition before, and it is a really handsome print edition. So well done, Iron Circus. There's spot foil on the cover of it. uh, So So that Scout's eyes are kind of glowing. (laughs) And there's this beautiful CMYK panel in the back. So, this is really a handsome edition that I've never seen before. I think
3: the book design was done by Rhiannon, who I know. So, let me check, i me just double check that. There were I think, in
1: the front. Overall, Iron Circus comics, I've been really impressed with their production quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess yeah, it was just pre
3: press, that,
2: so that's different.
1: Um,
2: never mind. Yeah, Iron Circus,
1: good <laughs> stuff.
2: I, I think it would be interesting for our uh, Tumblr page to do a comparison shot of a
3: color and a black and white side <laughs> by side. Actually, like when I looked at the Tumblr today, I actually like the colors on the Tumblr better. They're because it's like backlit. Yeah, mm. they're they're more vibrant. Yeah, because like, much as I like the colors in print on a screen, they're even better. You mm. get that really strong magenta things like that. Mm. I guess it's not really a strong magenta, but like there's yeah. there's slightly more colors in an R B G spectrum.
0: One of the things I really liked in the narrative and the themes of this book was, like, the murkiness of, like, a teenager's sense of justice, Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, like, how she's trying to do what she thinks is the right thing, and it's just thought, like, she's maybe not doing anything good at the end of the day, (laughs) or maybe she is, who knows? (laughs) Um, And I I liked the conflict between uh, Shadow Eyes and Noah, like, that scene where Noah, like, beats up his mom which is really horrible, but, like, that, the dialogue of Shadow Eyes being like, no, don't do that, and he's like, what, it's only okay if you do it? And sort of, like, the way the Mm -hmm. different kids in this story, like, see Justice or, like, trying to do better and trying to help the world. Like, Kaisha, like, she has this, like, she's volunteering at the soup kitchen, and she wants to do it these ways, and Shadow Eyes is like, well, I have these powers, so I guess I'm beating people up. But also, like... (laughs) We'll do the little things, like help a kid with her homework. Yeah. And, stuff like that. <laughs> so like and that. Noah's like, no, we're just beating
1: people up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and even Sparkle is like, we're going to go way. beat people up. Yeah. And Shadow White's just like, you're not going to beat anyone up. And yeah. she's like, we're going. And then just <laughs> they go along and they beat someone up. And, Ch- and Sparkle's like, I don't know if i like this, you guys. Yeah. But I really appreciated Kaisha's sense of justice. Uh conflicting with Scout's Mm -hmm. sense of justice Mm -hmm. I thought that was probably the most interesting conflict in the whole work Mm -hmm. and it was really appreciated like I really liked that Kaisha brought to the table she's like you can start a BBS where people can discuss like you know hierarchies of privilege (laughs) a really interesting way to view the situation
2: and I mean, I think by the end of the, of the book, when the conflict is really ramping up, um, Kaisha, I think, is working at like a, a soup kitchen or doing like so, sort of like volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really a nice way to contrast. In a lot of ways, Kaisha is being a real superhero and being a superhero in a way that anyone in this room or any of our listeners could be a superhero. Versus, like, going out in a costume and beating people up, which is what Scout thinks is the way to be a superhero. And
0: just going back to, like, the the scene that you didn't like about the, the pony game, like, <laughs> I actually felt like that was really tied to how Sparkle sees, like, fighting for justice and, like, those sorts of uh, things. Like, it's very fictionalized oh. to her because she's a lot more um, sheltered and unable to do a lot of things because she's quite ill but, like, not able, not open about being quite ill. So to me, mm. that, like was just reinforcing that, where she, like, sort of has all these big ideas, but they can only play out on a small, sheltered scale. And yeah. not on a big scale, or, like, even when she's making those costumes, it's like, this is this thing I'm passionate about, but this actually is actually super impractical <laughs> in reality, and, like, very frivolous and just sort of works in a fantasy land instead of, like, actually going out. So that's kind of how I saw that scene playing mm. out, you know, as I read the book instead of... Which, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of, like, skimmed the um, large areas of text i right. i'm just not a game person but yeah. like it's like oh i just see this reinforcing who she is as a character right. and how she relates to this big theme that's running through yeah. the work but um, i don't know i miss that
1: yeah. nuance but i really like that interpretation
2: okay, yeah that's that's interesting <laughs> i hadn't thought about it that way and that's interesting
3: i like that this sort of the world building supports the idea that a superhero might be necessary like the the world that they live in is like there's n- the police are not good they don't help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Consistently, we're given lots of examples of like, I called the police and they did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that there's actually a group that Scout and Keisha are, are members of at the start of the story called Crime Watch, which we're not really given an explanation for right away, but it's basically volunteer vigilantes who go out and police the community. Of their own volition, and then later, much, much later in the story, there's like a very a throwaway line on the news about how the police have like arrested like the leaders of Crime Watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, <laughs> oh wait, they were actually like, they're basically the same thing. They're vigilantes who are going out and like trying to have some kind of justice in the world where the police are useless, and then the police go and arrest them.
1: And it mm. was funny, you, know, you were mentioning Jeff how people just seem to be killed, and there is no shock, there is no uh, consequences. That mm. seems to be a factor in the world as well. Mm. Like people are just dying right. all the time. Like they're just mountains of like, bones. Yeah, this is yeah. Like, yeah. a graveyard thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people just dump your bodies, and like, whatever, two children got murdered, oh and Scout like, I submitted the video to the police, and I'm expecting to be arrested at any moment, but... <laughs> that yeah. scene,
0: where they come across, like, the two children, like, brutalizing another child, it yeah. was deeply upsetting. Yeah. Like, I think, more than anything else in that, this book, like, I mean, there's some really dark, upsetting stuff, but that one was just, like, kind of chilled me. Yeah, um, I think...
2: Sorry, I was just going to say, I think the reactions of Scout and Noah in that scene, that's, I think, what I was wanting to see more of as a reaction to some of the other scenes of violence that happen later on.
1: Yeah, and I think it might speak to a numbing effect of the world, Mm. that things are just so continuously grim and continuously hard and continuously bad, and there's no hope of it ever improving, and no one actually expects it to ever improve, uh, that this kind of slog of just trying to get by and survive has really worn people down mm-hmm. to the point where they can no longer be shocked about anything. Right. I,
2: yeah, I mean, I, so, again, yeah, like I, if, think, I, I think that's a good interpretation, but maybe I, I didn't read that in the text. I'm getting that from you. So yeah. maybe I'd like to have had that in the texture of the work more. Uh, but fair. yeah, I, I, that's a good
3: way of describing <laughs> it, though, for sure. And I think this is speaks to for why it's so important to me at least as a reader to have all those like super cute elements of the story too That if it was just the grim dark stuff, I would probably put this down pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. the 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 cuteness speaks to that there maybe there is hope if they just had a better circumstance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If
0: this was drawn differently, I don't know if I would (laughs) be able to read it because I just like true as well. Gore and stuff like that is such a no go for me. I have a very sensitive Mm. stomach when it comes to those things. So like, yeah, the way she draws makes me able to read this. Like Mm. it's still like that one scene is just so chilling, and, like, the girl in the pit of bones and, like, decaying bodies, like, that's horrific, mm. but the way she draws it, she's still able to have, like, these palatable elements and, like, make it really cohesive at the same time,
1: which... I am, i just, I never can yeah. figure out how she does it. It's incredible. <laughs> it takes, it's, it's a rare skill, let's put it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a
2: rare level of skill.
1: Yeah. Um, what a cartoonist.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I um, maybe just one oh I was. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say um, one thing. I kind of enjoyed near the end as we sort of see. I almost feel like maybe the slow burn is like Scout turning more into a supervillain by the end of the, <laughs> the the volume here. But I sort of enjoyed some of the later stuff where, like, because they establish early on that Scout is a vegetarian, and so at one point Scout just goes to this abattoir. And frees all the animals, and is so pleased with herself. And again, I'm sure there's like a lot of animal rights activists who totally are on board with that. But I just, I sort of noted that she sets all the animals free into the city, and that's it. Like, (laughs) no, not like she doesn't get them safely into the woods. She doesn't (laughs) make sure that they actually continue to thrive. In doesn't think about are they going to continue to live and be okay in the city. Like, and the fact that she shut down this food processing plant like that means there's going to be a food shortage does that not have ramifications <laughs> and like-,
0: like what about people's jaws i don't know i yeah. feel like it's very <laughs> accurate to a lot of sort of folks who are into that stuff they just, like, no
1: big picture. Just the this now here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels, again, like wish fulfillment. Yeah. Right? It, it's like, I'm vegan and I want everyone to be vegan and I will free all the animals and we'll never... Let's not talk yeah. about the consequences.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
2: I think, yeah, it almost, it almost gets, like, it sort of... It becomes more myopic to a point where... Um, you know, Sparkle's doing the presentation and the girl in the back row's heckling her. And so then Shadow Eyes breaks the glass and just starts beating people up to, like, teach them a lesson about paying attention to Sparkle's presentation. And it's just like, wow, you're you're getting so petty. Yeah. There's just more and more selfish motivations behind what you're doing. The punishment
0: doesn't fit the crime. Like, uh-huh. someone's saying gross things. You don't knock their teeth out. Yeah. Like,
1: and it's, that, it's like... And yeah. then she took
0: Kaisha's cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean step was bad, but taking someone's cat. You just don't you don't just take
2: someone's well, cat. <laughs> I, getting, to, getting to the cat though, I do enjoy that Scout's first
3: act as a superhero is kicking down a door <laughs> to rescue a cat to rescue this cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good place to start. Like I can understand that's a an understandable motivation. I can understand starting your superhero career off with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so won't someone rescue this cat? <laughs> I guess I'll have to do it. Okay, any other final thoughts?
1: I liked it. I think that the elements that I liked were better presented in Wet Moon. Hmm. So, like, Wet Moon doesn't even pretend to have a plot yeah. most of the time. <laughs> so if you like those elements that were kind of non-plotty, I think it's, it's more real and more raw and interesting and nuanced in Wet Moon. Uh, but I, I really like Shadow Eyes. It's fun. I had a fun time reading it.
3: I think um, like my final thought is uh, if, I, if I could take this book and send it back in time to myself as a teenager in the <laughs> 90s, I'm not sure it's one that I would Necessarily gravitate, would have gravitated to at that time and like picked off a shelf myself. But if someone had forced me to read it, I would have really, really enjoyed it and I think it would have had a profound effect on me. If a
0: strange man who looked vaguely familiar accosted <laughs> you on the street and forced it into your arms and ran away, you would have read it? Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be an interesting premise for a book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this book. I was glad you suggested it, John. It was a good um, excuse for me to read it. Okay. No just final just
2: thoughts of, from you. No, we Anyways. all know what you think. Uh, no, <laughs>
0: no disagreeing <laughs> opinions here. <laughs> uh,
2: no, I mean, I, uh, I will say I'm glad I read it just because I've, ne- I don't think I've ever read a superhero story not created by the big three, and so you know I think it had some really good elements, but I think someone was one of you mentioned it being kind of a personal project. I think. It's amazing that she's doing this all on her own. I think the one missing ingredient is maybe like a story editor. Uh, Because again, I think, I'm going to stand by my opinion, I think it's about 250 pages of solid comic, but it's 380 pages.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, let's do shout-outs. Oh, I know.
1: Okay, I'll go first. Uh, So I wanted to shout out another personal project from a friend of mine, Jeff Jacks. He's best known for his webcomic questionable content, but for the past several years, he's been branching out into science fiction with a work called Alice Grove, which explores a lot of really interesting themes about uh, artificial intelligence and kind of a very, very distant future. Uh, And that is steaming towards its conclusion. It's supposed to wrap this week. Hmm. So I recommend Alice Grove.
3: Okay, and where can we find you on the internet?
1: Uh, nowhere. I don't make comics anymore. I'm Jam. <laughs> don't worry about it. You walked <laughs> off. I blogged off. <laughs> Goodbye.
3: All right. Um, I'm Jonathan. Uh, you can find my work at dot comiccom although there has been nothing new there in a very long time. And my shout-out... Yeah, I wrote down a shout-out. What did I write down? Oh, uh, I finally got a chance to read Finder Third World by Carlos B. McNeil. And uh, we're going to have to talk about it later, because, wow, that's quite a book. Wow, I'm not sure I've actually learned that much about Jaeger, but... You, you're, like, <laughs> on the edge. It's so good. Anyways. It's It's a trip. For sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah finder's so good i was talking to someone about it the other day okay like, this is one of my favorite comics of all time <laughs> um, wait where can we find you john did you say i said it? that already you did okay never mind no one look up jonathan <laughs> nope.
2: um
0: my name's Kate Gross, and you can find my currently updating web comic that i always forget to tell people is updating but it does update every week uh lunar maladies at lunar uh, yeah, I read, um, I'm reading my way through Templar Arizona right now by Spike Trotman. Oh, it's an interesting nice. read. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading right now.
2: All right. Uh, so I'm Jeff Ellis. Uh, you can find my work at jeffreyellis.ca. And uh, since we talked about uh, superhero comics, uh, I'll just shout out a superhero comic. Uh, Invisible Iron Man now has a uh, female protagonist. Uh, Tony Stark is out of the picture. Ryu Williams
3: is the new Iron Man. And it's pretty good. Check it out. Okay. Uh, Our next book will be Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. We're going to do a Scott Pilgrim marathon. So next episode will be Volumes 1 and 2. And then we're just going to keep going after that.
1: For the rest of time. That's right. Or until we run out of Scott Pilgrimage,
3: (laughs) ones. Our Scott Pilgrimage. Oh! Oh. I think that's
1: what
3: we have to call
2: it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thank
3: you. you. All right. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. Thanks to the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in the Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at tradewaiters.tumblr.com as well as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.